0: going through the Old Testament and finding pictures of Jesus. Here we are nearing the halfway point of the Old Testament. We found Him in every book. And uh, I believe the Lord's going to let us preach through the whole Old Testament book by book finding Jesus in every book. This morning I'm going to Preach on the gospel according to Josiah. Josiah uh, was a great king in Israel. This might interest you children. He took the throne at eight years old. Can you imagine? Eight years old, Josiah became king. Now, out of the 21 rulers... In uh, Judah, in Judah's history, really only eight of those, could you say, were good rulers. The rest were evil kings. Uh, you've got Jehoshaphat, Joash, Amaz, Uzziah, Joatham, Hezekiah, and then Josiah. But Josiah stands out among all the rest, and you guessed it, he's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 34. Read down through here a little ways. We're going to be all over chapter 34 and 35 in the message. The Bible said Josiah was 8 years old. I'm in verse 1 of chapter 34. Josiah was 8 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem 1 and 30 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after God, the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images." Let me just pause and say this. You're never too young to start seeking after the Lord. At eight years old, he began to seek after God. Twelve years old, he begins to make a difference for the Lord. Verse number four, and they break down the alders of Balaam in his presence. And the images that were on high above them, he cut down. And the groves and the carved images and the molten images he broke in pieces and made dust out of them and strode upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto him and he burnt the bones of the priest upon the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem and he did uh, and and so he did in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim. And Simeon, even unto Naphtali, with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the alders and the groves, and he had beaten the graven images into powder, and cut down the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent to Saphon, the son of Aziel or uh, Azariah, and uh, Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joha, uh, quartered to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought to the house of God, which the Levites that kept the door had gathered of the land of Manasseh and Ephraim, and all the remnant of Israel, and all Judah and Benjamin. And they returned to Jerusalem. We'll stop reading there. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we ask God in Jesus' name that you'd help us today. Lord, I pray that you'd put the things of the world from off our mind. God, that we'd be able to fixate upon you this morning. I pray that you'd receive honor and glory from the preaching. Lord, you've laid a message on our heart. Help us to deliver it today. God, do a work in our midst We'll thank and praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name, we make our prayer. Through His blood, we pray. Amen and amen. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning on this gospel. According to Josiah, this young king, he became king in Israel at a very pivotal time. His father was uh, not a good king. As a matter of fact, there was a lineage at this time, there had been a line of evil kings. They had taken Israel into idolatry. They had, uh, uh, of course, Rehoboam the king had put a golden calf up to be worshiped. They had erected groves to worship in. They had all different kinds of idol worship. Uh, And when Josiah becomes king, uh, we find that he uh, seeks after God and he takes charge uh, And he begins to rule the people in the way that God intended for them to be ruled. But of course, we know this morning that when we study Josiah's life, we study it in order to see the Lord Jesus Christ. As I was teaching Sunday school this morning out of Hebrews chapter number 2, we began to talk about the neglecting of salvation. And here's what Paul said, He said this salvation was spoken of before by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen what you and I have today has been prophesied about in this book uh, all the way back from the very beginning. Uh, And so we see pictures and types of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Let's think about Josiah this morning. Uh, First, I want you to note with me, if you will, his uh, prophesied birth. Uh, Flip with me, if you will, back to 1 Kings chapter number 13. Uh, uh, 1 Kings and chapter uh, number 13, uh, and let's look see what the Bible said, uh, the prophecy uh, concerning the birth of Josiah. Verse number 2, the Bible said... Uh, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, O altar, uh, thus saith the Lord. uh, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, uh, Josiah by name, uh, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places uh, that burn incense upon thee, uh, and men's bones uh, shall be burned. uh, Upon thee. And so before Israel ever had a problem, listen to me, God already had a plan. Amen. He looked down through the ages, he saw where Israel was headed, and he prepared for them a boy and prophesied of his birth before he was ever born. And he said, This boy is going to come and take care of the problem. And his name is Josiah. Well, we ought to all stop and run and shout right there. It reminds me of what the Bible said in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15. The Bible said, And I'll put enmity between thy seed, uh, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I'm glad this morning, before there ever was a sinner, there was already a Savior. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, before we knew we had a problem, God. had a plan. Amen. I'm telling you, Christmas is just finished, and we think about Santa Claus and eight tiny reindeer, and I'm going to tell you that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about mankind dying in their sin, helpless and hopeless, but God having a plan for redemption. Amen. I believe Isaiah said we'll call his name Wonderful Counselor for he'll save his people from their sins. I'm glad to report to you today that God had a plan. He sent his son. His son gave his life that we wouldn't have to die in our sin. We see that Josiah had a prophesied birth. You say, Preacher, I'm over that. You ought to preach on something else. I'm going to tell you, if you're saved by the grace of God, you ain't never got over it. Amen. Hey. They said this morning that when Elias got up, he climbed up in the bed and said, Is it time to open presents? Amen. And Tara told him, he said no, Christmas is done past, and that's right. But you know, for the Christian, every day's Christmas. Amen. Every day's Easter because we have him living inside of us. Thank God. I'm glad He said, Hey, listen to me. I, I needed a savior, didn't you? That's exactly right. I'm as sorry as they come, dirty and low down. I, I needed a hey, but I'm glad God looked down through the hey, man, looked down through the ages and saw my filth and saw my shame and he saw my need. Hey, Amen. And he sent his only begotten son. Amen my goodness. Well, we ought all just take time out and say glory be to the Lamb! Boy, God must love us a whole lot this morning. Hey, to have sent his son to die for us. And so we see Josiah had a prophesied birth. Now watch this. We see not only his prophesied birth, but we see his perfect life. Look what he said there in chapter number 34, verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor the left hand. And so even though we know that Josiah was not perfect, he didn't live a perfect life. Here, as a picture of Christ, Josiah is painted as living a perfect life. Well, I'm glad to tell you in Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 15, the Bible says that Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, Yet without sin. Yet without sin. You see, Jesus lived a perfect life because he knew I was unable to live a perfect life. Let me say that again. Maybe it will sink in on you. Jesus lived a perfect life because he knew you was unable to live a perfect life. Oh, boy, I I feel right good about that point right there. Jesus was perfect because I couldn't be perfect. And you see it requires a perfect life to get to heaven. And God knew I couldn't live a perfect life, so he sent his son who lived a perfect life on my account. Now, his righteousness has been imputed unto me. Amen. I'm not getting into heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm not getting into heaven because I'm a good person. I'm not getting into heaven because I've done good things. I'm not getting into heaven because I ain't never been drunk or high. I ain't. Ne- I ain't ge- hey, listen, I ain't getting into heaven because I ain't never done a lot of these things others might have done. I'm getting into heaven. Hey, I'm dirty and filthy and rotten and the hell is the- hey, Amen now. I'm a hell deserving sinner. I ought to be burning in hell right now. But I'm going to heaven on the count of the righteousness of the only begotten Son of God who never sinned. He never failed. He never had a bad thought. He never did a bad thing. Uh, thank God. Uh, hey, he lived a perfect life. He was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Now, I'm headed somewhere. I'm headed somewhere, but I, I tell you, the introduction's all right. Amen. We see his prophesied birth. We see his perfect life. Watch this. We see his purifying of the people. In chapter number 34 here in verses 3 through 4, he sees the problem. And so he takes it upon himself. As a young king, he takes it upon himself to go to all of Judah, and he personally oversees the cutting down of those groves, the destroying of those images, and he even takes the high priests that had, had, had uh, seen to this idolatry, and he kills them and burns their bones upon the altar. What are you trying to say, preacher? He totally wiped all of that idolatrous worship out. Because he realized before there could be a restoration, listen to me now, before there could be a restoration of a relationship, there had to be a dealing with of sin. Did you know this morning uh, that the Lord came to this planet to deal with sin? Uh, The Bible said in 1 John 3 and 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Uh, The Bible said in Ephesians 2 and 4, for he is our peace uh, who hath made both one uh, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition. between us. Hey, I'm here to tell you that God sent his son to deal with our sin problem. Come here, Gabe. Stand right there on the other side of that knee wall. You see, between me and God was a wall. And that wall was my wall of sin and transgression against God's law. And it prevented me, Brother Marvin, from being able to get to him. And so there was this wall and there was this problem But you see, Jesus, through his death at Calvary, he removed that wall of partition so that I might have a relationship with God. Amen. No longer is there that wall of partition between us anymore. Amen. But that sin had to be dealt with. I'm telling you, we live in a society that wants the glory. They want the relationship, but they don't ever want to deal with any sin. We live in a society that wants to live their life the way they want. God help us wants to live their life the way they want to and dictate the terms and tell God what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. But I'm going to tell you in the end that ain't how it works. God is the one who decides and if you want to have a relationship with him, the sin problem must first be dealt with. And so Josiah came and And dealt with the sin problem. How many of y'all glad Jesus came and dealt with our sin problem one day? Oh, that's exactly right. I ain't done with you, Gabe, but sit down. I'll need you in just a minute. Sit down. I'll I'll use you in just a minute. We see that there's the purifying of the people. But then we see in the life of Josiah the preeminence, the preeminence of the, the scriptures. Now, this is almost unbelievable. In the temple, somehow they'd gotten in such a foul shape, Brother Neal, that they had lost the Scriptures. And so you can read about Josiah's life, and what happens is he sends men up there to repair the temple, and while they're in the process of repairing the temple, they find the books of Moses. And almost as an afterthought, they bring the books of Moses to Josiah. And the Bible said there, look at verse number 14. And when they brought unto him the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Helikai the priest found the book of the law and the Lord given by Moses. Now look at verse 19. The Bible said there in verse number 19, And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Look what the Bible said there in verse number 21. Go inquire the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that was written in this book. Look at verse number 30. And the king went out in the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and Levites and all the people, great and small, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. You know what Josiah did? Josiah turned the attention of the people, Brother Billy, back to the Word of God. Oh, I couldn't help but think about the ministry of our Lord. The Bible said in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14 said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible said in John 6 and 63, of the words I speak unto you, they are spirit uh, and they are life. Uh, You know what? The Lord Jesus Christ, you can't separate him, honey, from this book. Uh, He and the Word are are one. Uh, And boy, when Jesus gets in the midst, Miss Karen, uh, there'll not be emphasis on personalities or talents, uh, but the emphasis will be on the Word of God. How many of you are glad this morning uh, that you come to a church that emphasizes the Bible? Uh, oh, yes. I'm telling you, in this day, uh, we live in a day where everything else under the sun is emphasized. Uh, uh, preachers are psychologists and politicians uh, and everything else under the planet. Uh, uh, but I say, give me a leather-lung preacher. Uh, Amen. That's got the Bible and got a word from heaven and is able to open that blessed old book and preach a word of God. Amen. That ought to be the emphasis. You know why? Because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now then, I got to where I want to preach. I want you to notice, if you will, for just a minute, his providing of a sacrifice. Now, something interesting happens. Hezekiah had reinstituted the Passover, but after Hezekiah had died, they had let it lapse. And in chapter 35, Josiah reinstitutes the Passover. Y'all with me? Y'all know what the Passover is. And every man, now y'all remember, we preached on the Passover when we come through the book of Exodus. Every man was to provide for himself or for his family a lamb. Y'all, we, y'all remember we preached through that. Let every family take a lamb, and if a household be sm- too small for a lamb, he can share it with another household. And you remember we was preaching all through that. And so Josiah reinstitutes the Passover. He looks at Israel and he said, or at Judah, and he said, You're going to have to bring the, you're going to have uh, to commemorate the Passover. And so in everybody's mind, they thought, well, we're going to have to provide for our family a lamb. We'll have to look out a lamb and find a lamb without blemish and without spot. And we're going to have to provide for ourselves a lamb. But I want you to notice what the Bible said, and I may run and shout. I want you to notice what the Bible said in chapter number 35, and verse number 7. The Bible said, and Josiah gave to his people of the flock lambs and kids. Uh, all for the Passover offering for all that were present to the number of 30,000. You know what Josiah said? Josiah said we're going to have a sacrifice but you don't have to bring your own. He provided the lamb for the sacrifice out of the king's flocks. Oh it was a sacrifice provided by a King. Of the hundreds of gallons of blood that would be required to be shed. All of the reminder for Israel of the death that comes with sin. Josiah said, I'll pay that price. Yeah. Josiah said, I'll make it happen. Yeah. Josiah said, I'll provide that sacrifice. It was, him. it was a sacrifice provided by the king. Well, I'm glad to report to you that the Bible said in Isaiah chapter number 53, verse 12, He hath poured his soul out unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Well, glory to God, I'm glad I got a sacrifice one day that was provided for me by the King. Now watch this right here. Y'all with me? Watch this right here. Verse number seven, look what this picture of Christ, picture of sacrifice, watch what happens. Verse seven, and Josiah gave to the people of the flocks and lambs and kids for the Passover offerings. Are y'all with me? For how many? What? What? All. Tell a Calvinist to stick that in his pipe and smoke it. All. All. Now, how many is all? It's all up. <laughs> the sacrifice was made available, Brother Noah, for all. For anybody, for that's for all of them, for every last one of God and the King made this sacrifice of uh, Amen. I, I'm glad God made a sacrifice one day. Uh, his darling son bled and died on Calvary's tree. Not for just a few, but thank God for all, for whosoever will. Uh, amen. Uh, I say, Glory be to the Lamb of God. Thank God for the sacrifice. Uh, that was provided by the king. Now watch this. We see that there's this providing for sacrifice. Then there's a plan for joy. Look at chapter number thirty-five and verse number fifteen. Are you with me? Watch this. And the singers, the son of Asaph, were in their place. Watch this. I need some singers. Come here, Gabriel. Go over there and get next to Miss Karen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's set up some singers. Mm-hmm. Trey, go over and stand with them. Mm-hmm. Y'all ready? Sure. We're singing. We're going to sing Glory to His Name. Y'all get that ready. This The chorus Glory to His Name. All right. All right. Watch this. They started offering them sacrifices. <laughs> that sacrifice provided by the king. And them singers was in their place, and they started singing that, sing, sing that sacrifice song. And they started singing. Glory to They're offering that sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, that, you get in on that in a minute. They're offering that sacrifice, and them singers are singing joy, <laughs> joy, joy, <laughs> joy. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> they offering them sacrifices, and them sa- keep on singing, Lord. They offer them sacrifices, and them singers are singing, and it's an atmosphere of joy, and it's an atmosphere of praise, and it's an atmosphere of gladness, and there's joy in their heart, and there's gladness in their heart. I say glory to His name. Hey, sounds like church to me. Sounds like church. Name. Glory to name. sing with them there <laughs> one of them verses says I am so one <laughs> well let a bring joy to your heart <laughs> sing it with him where he t- I said <laughs> Sing it loud! Glory to his name. Oh yes, God's people, all sing. Glory to sing! Name. name there! All right. So there was an atmosphere of joy. Y'all going be seated. There was an atmosphere of joy. The sacrifice is being made. God's being pleased. The king's made a sacrifice. And they're singing glory. You know why the church has always been musical people? Because Jesus said, I'm come, that they might have joy. Amen. And that their joy might be full. That's the reason the church has always sang songs and been musical and been full of joy. That's the reason when David and his men were depressed, they hung their harps on the willow and said how can we sing the songs of Zion you see singing has to do with joy in the heart and so these singers were up and they were ready joy was filling that place boy and I'm telling you there ain't nobody offers joy like Jesus offers joy hallelujah I'm glad that he brings joy to your heart so we see that there's this plan made for joy But I'm telling you, I see something in verse number 15 that I can't hardly contain myself over. Well, the Bible said there toward the end. And the porters waited at every gate. They might not depart from their services. I need some porters. I I got, let's see, we got five gates here. We got five gates. Noah, get over yonder that gate. Get get over yonder at that (laughs) gate. Trey, get back on attack that yeah. game. Billy, back yonder town. Mm-hmm. Steve, run back on to the back door. I got studying on the porters last night. And I'm telling you this, 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 bless a Presbyterian. Them porters stood at the gate. Wearsby said, and it's it, it specifically says it here that the porters were at every gate. Oh, let me give you something. No, I won't, that's getting too far. The Wearsby said the por, the porters had two jobs. <laughs> the first job was to make sure everybody that needed in could get in, their doorkeepers. So the porter, open them doors, boys. The porter would stand at the door and as the crowd would come, they're kind of like law enforcement officers. As the crowd would come, they'd say, okay everybody, right this way, right this way, everybody in, single file, we got time, sacrifice ain't started yet, everybody in, is everybody in? Come on, let's get on in here. And that was one of their jobs. They let everybody in. They had another job and that was that once the temple crowd was in, they kept people from wandering out. And so if uh, somebody was let in and started to wander toward the door, the porter would say, now wait a minute, uh, can I help you? Which way you're he- Where are you headed, sir? Where you need to be? He said, well, I'm going this way. No, sir, can't go back out this way. You've got to stay until the sacrifice is over. That was the job of the porter. He let people in, but then he kept people from leaving. Now the porter was one of only two jobs that worked all night around the clock. matter of fact, there was a psalm written about him. Uh, it was one of the psalms that agree, but I can't, I'm afraid to say exactly which one. It's a very short, a little short psalm written about the porter. And it said that he works all night in the house of God. Well, let me tell you what the Bible said about a porter in the New Testament. In John chapter number 10, speaking about the great shepherd, Speaking about the great shepherd, the Bible said, To him the porter openeth, (laughs) and the sheep hear his voice. Well, the porter in these, here is the king inside, Josiah, making a sacrifice, and he's got these porters, these sentries stationed. The porter in this picture is a picture of the Holy Ghost of God. (laughs) Y'all hang with me. You know what the Holy Ghost, watch out this second. I'm actually gonna use you as something else, No, I'll Step outside this second. You know what the Holy Ghost is doing? Right now, he's saying, come on in, come on in, come on in, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, come on in, come on in. Young man, wouldn't you like to come in? Come on in, come on in. Boy, that's the job of the Holy. Yeah. Aren't you glad one Sunday you heard the Holy Ghost of God say, Come on in, come on in, come on in. I'm glad that's the cry of the church this morning. Is come on in. Come on in. Come on in. And so the Holy Ghost, the porter, he stands at the door. And he's saying, He's saying things like, get back out there. He's saying things like, There's still time. There's still time. The sacrifice is not yet done. It's not completed. There's still blood available. There's still time. Blood available. Come on in. Come on in. That's the job of the porter. Now watch this. Remember, the porter has two jobs. Once once you get on the inside, the porter's job is to keep you in. (laughs) Keep anybody from wandering out. Now, wander this way. Let me show you how the porter does this. Wander this way. Sir, where are you headed? Where are you headed? This ain't the way. This ain't the way, sir. You won't stay. You see, where you won't stay is here where the blood is being applied and where the sacrifice is being made. Stay here, sir. Stay here. Stay here. Then that same person wanders back around. And that porter says, sir, sir. I told you, I told you, you need to stay inside. Stay inside, sir. And before you know it, that same fellow wanders back toward the toward the exit, and then the porter has to say, "Sir, sir, I told you, sir, I've told you, stay inside, sir." And if he keeps wandering toward the exit, keeps wandering toward the exit, that. That porter has to take whatever, whatever means necessary to keep him from wandering out. Did you know we're kept by the power of the Almighty? And Paul teaches that there is a sin unto death. Before that porter, God believes so much in eternal security that before that porter will allow a man to wander out, he kill him. That's how committed he is to keeping you in he'll put you in a casket to keep you from wandering out. How many of y'all believe that? I never, I never, I don't believe I ever forget, as long as I live summer, Perry Norton standing at the casket. I don't believe I ever forget that up there at the cemetery. Rubbing on the casket. And saying this boy didn't have to die. I mean, he told it straight. He said he lived a life and God had only let him go so far. He was saved and God don't let him go so far. He put him in this box to keep him from wandering out. You'll do. You see, the Holy Ghost, the porter, to him the porter openeth. He stands at the gate. He says, come on in. Come on in then he's also the one that says, far enough, you're not getting out. When you wander back that way, eventually, if, if need be, the Holy Ghost to get you. He'll say, he'll say, listen, I told you, we're not wandering out. We're done with this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't come back this way anymore. I've told you. Don't come back this way. You're going to wander out, and I won't let it happen. If I have to, I'll kill you. I don't want to, but in order to keep you from wandering out, I'll kill you if I have to. Don't make me. Live your life for God. Oh, the job of the porter is to let people in and to keep people from wandering out. I want you to notice something. Watch this. He lets people in. He keeps people from wandering out, but there's one more thing he does. Oh, I need somebody. I was going to use Mason for this, but Mason ain't here. (laughs) I need somebody to be the devil. I ain't saying Mason was the devil, he's just little and he was going to be good for me to be able to Layton you ain't little but come on you can be the devil the devil ain't little anyhow is he I was just trying to make the point of the difference between God and the devil big and little, big and little but sometimes the devil's big but God's bigger Here's another thing that the porter does. He welcomes people in. He keeps folks from wandering out. But you know what else he does? The devil would love to get into things. And what, you know what the porter does? Come on in. The porter says, far enough, buddy. You're not going any farther than right there. You know what all the devil can do? Listen to me. All he can do is stand on the outside and heckle. All he can do is stand out here and go, nah, nah, nah. Pfft, Listen, church, why don't y'all quit? Why don't y'all give up? Uh, don't you know I'm gonna get you, gonna get you, boo. Here I come, gonna get you. But when he starts to get on the inside, the porter says, Far enough, pal. <laughs> You're not welcome. You're not allowed. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in. The world. Post up over here, Porter. You can be seated. Post up over here, Porter. So he posted the Porter at every gate. The porters are saying, come in, come in. They're keeping people from wandering out. They're keeping the unclean from being in. They've marked their place. They're at their place. And it all has to do with the preservation of the church. Now watch this. You know what Josiah did? He rebuilt the temple. And Brother Neil, at some point, the ark of God had been removed out of its place. And he took the ark and he put it back in the holy place. In other words, he put the glory back on the inside. He posted porters at every door. What a picture of what Jesus has done in your life. When he saved you, he made you a temple. Paul said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? He put the glory on the inside. That is the Holy Ghost of God. And he posted the porters at the door to keep you from ever wandering out. All because of sacrifice provided by a king. He provided the sacrifice. And he posted the porters. There's been times when every one of us has wandered in that direction. Something will call us. There's been times, Noah, where I wandered right up to the edge. And the Holy Ghost would say, I ain't letting you out. As far as you're going. I remember a time in my life, Brother Allen, where I'd wandered to the edge. And the Holy Spirit said, this is as far as we're going. And I kept pushing it and kept pushing it. And I'd always felt his loving hand when I'd get close. He'd put his arm around me and say, son, let's not let's don't do this. Right. Head in the wrong way, son. Get back over where you need to be. You know you can't come over here. I can remember a time in my life when I pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. And I felt that chastisement at hand. No longer a loving embrace, no longer a loving touch, but a restraining, a literal moving. Him saying, This is as far as you're getting. And if you push me any farther, I'm left key. You say, I don't believe all that. Read your Bible. To him the porter openeth, the sheep hear his voice. Can I give you one last thing? One of these days, our Lord and Savior is coming back. Amen. And there's going to be a trump of God somewhere. Step right here, Gabe. And you know what that porter's going to do? <laughs> that trump of God's going to sound. That command to come up here there is going to be made. And that porter's going to swing wide the gate. (laughs) And the Lord's coming in and his sheep hear his voice. And here's what the Bible said in John 10. And he calleth them out. One of these days to him the porter openeth. And we're all going home. What a picture of Christ. What a picture. Let's stand together. Father. Lord, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to bow our head for prayer. Lord, is preaching to somebody this morning. I preaching to somebody. Maybe somebody in here this morning is a-wandering. Lord, then just easing over there toward the door, and the Holy Spirit has showed them today through the service that they're slipping, that they're neglecting, that they're heading in the wrong direction. Lord, you're trying to straighten them up. Maybe somebody here's never been saved. They never have accepted that sacrifice made by the king. Lord, maybe some here today that don't have a heart full of joy. Their joy is gone. Their harp is in the willow tree. Seem like the devil's robbed them of their joy. Gotten in their head and in their life. And you've reminded them this morning that all he can do is stand on the outside. Whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you'd do a work during this time of invitation. Lord, help us today to extend it in a way that you'd have for us too. We'll thank you and praise you for all you do in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder this morning.